Fantasy Focus Football is presented by Geico. Switch to Geico and see all the ways that you can save. Happy August, Daniel, and good news. Congratulations to us. Yeah. One show in, we did not get fired. We made I love episode that. Two. Yeah, the fact that they let us back. My badge worked this morning, which is always the concern. The haters are sick this morning. <laughs> Vegas lost a lot of money. <laughs> People really were did. saying the demise would happen after just one show. They were wrong. Yeah, we are still here, Field. I'm really excited. Yesterday was a great show, Pumped. We got a bunch to be able to talk about today to get into. A little lighter on the news front, but we are going to dive into our quarterback tiers to be able to break down where we're at on a bunch of these uh, signal callers, Field. But just let's talk about the news real fast. Yeah, but a huge day. If you want quarterback talk, we're here to do that. And over the next few days, we're going to cover, like, we wanted to give you a general feel of how we feel about players. We'll be very specific during different portions of the upcoming month ahead. But, like, we had to kind of establish a baseline. We are going to do that today. So quarterback rankings begin. Top 10 quarterbacks unveiled, but... Because we love you, we're giving you way more than just 10 quarterbacks. You mentioned some news, Daniel. What do we got? Relatively light day. Yeah, right off the top, unfortunately, Tim Patrick. Unfortunately, we found out yesterday, tore his ACL. This is not the first time that this has happened, Field. And Tim Patrick has kind of become that guy within the fantasy community that everybody loves and roots for because he just, he leaves it all out on the field, but injuries have derailed his career to this point. Just sad news for Tim Patrick, and what does it mean for the Denver Broncos? Yeah, so he'll be 30 by the time he returns to the field after yet another Achilles tear. He's on the Clay Thompson plan right now. Torn ACL leading into the torn Achilles. Clay's made a great comeback, different sport, different player. But you're right, the defining characteristic of Tim Patrick's career, there are two of them. One, injuries. Two, overcoming adversity to earn himself a really nice contract from the Broncos. So let's start here, Daniel. We feel terrible for Tim Patrick. Awful. By all accounts, super likable dude, a guy that Broncos fans, Broncos players, people that aren't fans of Broncos, uh, of the Broncos are seemingly, you know, rooting for consistently. Um, As far as fantasy is concerned though, Daniel, uh, we ranked 60 wide receivers in the preseason. That's what we do. It's an exercise that we follow yep. during the offseason. Tim Patrick did not crack my top 60 wide receivers. A guy coming off of an injury, playing in an offense where I think at best he's like he's wide receiver two, right? Jerry Judy, I think, has firmly established himself as wide receiver one in Denver. And there's a lot of rhetoric this offseason that what Sean Payton wants to do to get Russell Wilson back on track is running the heck out of the football, playing great defense, running the football effectively. So Tim Patrick didn't really change anything as far as the rankings goes, only serves as a reminder that when we talk about the Broncos a whole bunch more this offseason, I do think there is a really compelling case for Jerry Judy to be a breakout type player. I know that he had a really strong finish to last season, and I always say that breakout is kind of a subjective term, but we'll talk more about Jerry Judy, who should be a very busy man this year. I suppose the door is slightly ajar to somebody else having a role for the Broncos this year, whether it's their second round pick Marvin Mims out of Oklahoma, who they actually traded up for in the Mm -hmm. draft, despite limited draft capital, a small bump, but still they moved up in the rounds Um, or somebody else that could potentially whether it's a, a tight end, Albert Aquabenam, or, you know, Adam Troutman or Greg Dolchich, who I think will have a legitimate role as it were. Yep. I just think from a fantasy perspective, Daniel, there is not enough to go around to support three fantasy relevant wideouts in this offense. I think it's more like one and a half. Jerry Judy, that clear player, but more than anything, heel fast, Mr. Tim Patrick. We want to see you back on the field at some point next season. I'm totally with you there. I'm actually interested to see where these Broncos, this Broncos quarterback falls in our rankings list field. That's really Mm. it for the news. Yesterday was so much news today, much lighter. So we're going to dive in. We got a bunch of quarterbacks to talk about as field mentioned field. Here's the big question, right? We do rankings. You and I do rankings. Mike Clay, Liz Loza, a bunch of us here. Everybody. Yeah. And it is a very heavily trafficked page. Everyone wants to know how you feel about these players. Where are you at on this guy? Where are you at on this guy? But there's kind of a fundamental difference between rankings, which we all do, and looking at players within a tier-based ranking system. A lot of what we're going to talk about today is quarterbacks within tiers. So I just want to ask you your philosophy when looking at players based on rankings or using a tier-based ranking system. All right. So we do rank players, and I do that for a reason, not just because of the clicks. But there is value in it because there are people that are extremely hardcore in fantasy and want to be able to break the tie between players that are really darn close. But I've always felt, and I've talked about this extensively on the 
podcast before that tiers, buckets, whatever you want to call them can be super useful because I'm just going to use two players as an example here, right? I think that there is a compelling case that Kirk Cousins and Geno Smith have comparable profiles this year. Okay. Not that they are going to get the job done in the exact same way. Gino does add some value with, with his legs. legs. Yep. Kirk Cousins, not so much. But my theory of both of those players is that totally serviceable starting quarterbacks to walk away from in a 10 or 12 team league with just one quarterback on your roster. But I think if you don't nail your running back and wide receiver picks early in the league, earlier in the draft, it's going to be hard for either Kirk or Gino to carry an otherwise lackluster roster. Whereas some of the guys at the very top of our rankings are good enough that they can offset a couple of running back slash wide receiver misses. So rather than me spending, you know, 15 minutes agonizing over why I believe Geno Smith is better than Kirk Cousins and you think Kirk Cousins is better than Geno Smith, right? I kind of like to throw guys into a category. I see them similarly enough that rather than focusing more on which one of those two is better? It's do they fit into a particular category? Right. And what does that category represent? I think the way that I, I love the way that you say that, because when I'm drafting, if I get to a certain point and I were using quarterbacks, for example, realize that, you know, a couple quarterbacks have come off the board and in my tier two, there's only one guy left in my tier two of quarterbacks. Yeah. If I want to grab him, you know, if I'm just looking at rankings, it's like, well, there's like eight guys that are left. But if I know for a fact, actually, this guy I have set apart from the rest of these tier three guys, it lets me know that I want to be able to make that move sooner rather than later in the draft. One last thing on this, Daniel, is that what I would tell people is there are times when you use a tiers based approach that you can say to yourself, the difference between quarterback seven and quarterback eight is not equal to the difference between quarterback nine and quarterback 10. Absolutely. Seven and eight might be very, very closely bunched together. That's a better way to put it. eight to nine might represent the place where the gap grows significantly. Right. And so you want to make sure that you get quarterback eight, lest you find yourself leaving the draft with a quarterback that you say to yourself, I'm just not so sure this is a guy that I can win with this year. So that's kind of the quick expository on what tiers, the tiers-based approach means. Okay. And uh, we'll st- we still have guys ranked. You can still find them one through 25 numerically on the website right now, but we are going to talk about the tiers because I think it's an important distinction to make. I'm with you. Let's dive right into okay. the first tier of quarterbacks. Field Jade. Spoiler alert: This first tier feels like it's pretty, like you know, pretty straightforward. You got Josh Allen. Yep. You got Patrick Mahomes. You got Jalen Hurts. Yep. Three players in this top tier: Allen, Mahomes, and Hurts. I think the only thing, Daniel, that people probably will be surprised by in this first tier is that I happen to have Josh Allen as quarterback one overall. That is the first thing that I noticed. Why do you have Allen over Patrick Mahomes, who seems to be like a lock for 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns? You know what's funny, Daniel? It's one of those statements that when you say it, it sounds like a hotter take than it actually is. is. Um, So you don't make your fantasy rankings just off of what the player has done, but what you think the player is going to do. Absolutely. That being said, uh, at some point in a player's career, they establish a baseline of what they are and we like, we don't expect it to jump a whole lot year over year over year, right? right? Like Justin, excuse me, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields are young enough where I think like expected growth is part of the equation. Sure. Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are so good that it's possible they can get better, but like they're already on like, you know, <laughs> like historic paces that like I kind of expect them to be comparable to what they have been yeah. year over year. It would be more about personnel or scheme changes that would influence your outlook on them. So yeah. I can use recent data on these two players. And if you look over the past two years, which you could make the sample size larger than that, but let's just use these past two years when these guys have been two of the best quarterbacks, Mahomes the best and Allen right there as well. 84 touchdowns total apiece. Oh my gosh. Allen has the edge in rushing touchdowns. Uh, it feels like one of the, the the arguments against Josh Allen is, well, he's just way too turnover prone. He's got 29 picks. Patrick Mahomes has 25 picks. So two hey interceptions a season. That's f- negative four points on Josh Allen's value. Not to me like super crazy different. Sure. Uh, Josh Allen has eight games with 30 points over the past two seasons. Patrick Mahomes has nine games with 30 points over the past two seasons. They both have 15 games with at least 25 points. You're sensing a theme, right? Like they're, they're both really good at football. Really good and like pretty much the same thing. But I think that maybe you get a little more boom potential consistently with Josh Allen. And I okay. think that's largely tied to his rushing. 
Our friend Jared Smola over at Draft Sharks does a great job. You should find him, uh, Smola DS on Twitter. Uh, does a great job with all of his coverage. But he uh, he used this stat recently that I thought was very uh, important and notable. Again, over the past two seasons, Josh Allen has been a top three quarterback. 48.5% of his starts. Holy cow. So basically half the time that you start Josh Allen, you're getting top three upside. Patrick Mahomes has been a top three quarterback 26.5% of the times. That's an awesome rate to be clear, right? Yes. It might be number two behind only Josh Allen in that frame, but still, I mean, that that's a representative sample size twice as likely basically yeah. that Josh Allen's a top three quarterback. And in terms of the percentage of games in which they've been a top 12 QB, Allen, 78.8% of the time. Mahomes, 76.5% of the time. Basically the same, right? Sure. So I just think that Josh Allen has a bit more boom potential because of the rushing. And while the team did sign Damian Harris, and maybe James Cook has a bigger role, and maybe the Bills are talking about Josh not being as involved as a runner, I think it's one of those things that sounds a lot better to a head coach and a play caller in May than it does when the games begin sure. and your season is dependent upon your wins and losses and your quarterback's yep. output. I don't think Josh Allen's rushing drop off is significant enough to take away that elite elite ceiling as potentially the highest scoring quarterback once again in fantasy football. And I just should note, like a lot of what we've been saying about jail, about uh, Josh Allen and, and, and Patrick Holmes applies to Jalen Hurts. He rules as well. I just, awesome. somebody has to be three out of these top three. Uh, really quickly on Josh Allen. Are we past the fear mongering that was the Stefan Diggs, Sean McDermott, yeah, I think we're Josh Allen, right? I, I, what a weird, like that to me though, like weird storyline, obviously, very strange, uh, especially because Sean McDermott was the one that volunteered that <laughs> he was very concerned about Stefan Diggs. I wonder how much that story resonates if it's a, an October 12th thing versus like a June 12th, thing, sure. right? When there's just not a lot going on during the NFL calendar in June as there is during the season. Looking at these guys field, if you're taking someone in this first tier, if, yeah. it kind of feels like you're spending a first round, like an early pick on him for rounds, probably one through three. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah. I mean, if you look at ADP right now and I urge people to be mindful that ADP value ADP data on August 1st, is definitely like far from a finished product, yes. right? A lot of people aren't drafting right now, so things could change. But based off of ADP data, these guys are going early. As a matter of fact, Mahomes is going before pick 14 right now. Oh, my gosh. Average. So And Mahomes, he's Patrick Mahomes. He's the best player on the planet. He's the face of the league. There's absolutely nothing wrong with having Patrick Mahomes on your roster. I think, though, what you have to evaluate when you're using a top three round pick on these players is the opportunity cost, Daniel, yep. right? If you take a quarterback with your second round pick, you are bypassing elite running back and wide receiver options, maybe even an elite tight end option. And you are, if you are instead waiting on your quarterback, then you are knowing that, like, I, I might be just loaded at the more difficult to find capable starter spots. And you can, and I'm going to use air quotes here, settle for a lesser quarterback. Some of which we will discuss in just a few moments. Here. Yeah, honestly, like I, I hear what you're saying. And I think part of the, we'll get into it a little bit more, but you're definitely, it's a premium. You want one of these top guys. You are, you are using a premium draft pick on them rather than trying to find value. Somewhere. I don't want to dissuade people from taking one of these guys as their quarterbacks no. in the top three rounds and say like, that's a terrible strategy. You're going to feel great. You're going to have a legitimate difference maker at the highest scoring position in all of fantasy. It's just like, this is simply about like allocating resources. And if you've only got a hundred bucks to spend metaphorically at the grocery store and you have the chance to buy something for, you know, $10, if you wait or buy it right now for $25, you might wait because right. you, you think you can get comparable value at a much reduced price, which is why if I were just doing one draft, just one, yep. I probably wouldn't be using a top three round pick on a quarterback i would instead be waiting for some of the guys that we'll discuss in subsequent tiers yeah i am totally with you on that i really love the conversation and this is a big part i'm writing a mock draft piece right now yeah a big part field of why you need to mock draft because if you say i want to leave the draft with patrick mahomes you should practice understanding if you grab him early, like you're saying, what is that going to do for the rest of your roster construction? Because you used an early round pick on a QB rather than a skill position spot. So it feels weird to be on an island, though, on the Josh Allen thing. I wonder how the masses the will only take one. it, right? Like, I, I, again, it doesn't feel like when I lay it out statistically, it doesn't feel that spicy of a take, right? It feels to me like pretty logical. I'm wonder. I'm guessing it's two things. One is Patrick Mahomes. And right. just like when in doubt, go Mahomes. Two, um, I think probably some people 
saw the comments from Sean McDermott about less rushing for Josh Allen or the idea of less rushing, the addition of Damian Harris. But, you know, this was something that we always saw the Panthers talk about with Cam Newton. Yeah. And they just kept going and going and going by letting him run. I mean, Cam had that that quote. It was something to the effect of like, you can't change a tiger's stripes, right? And if I'm one of the greatest runners to ever do it, which Cam was and which Josh is on the track to become, then it's hard to just say, you know what? Ditch your instincts. This guy had a major elbow injury last year. Still played through it, by the way. Throws an interception. And as at like like five days after that previous elbow injury, runs like a bat out of hell to go and try to make a tackle and nearly like re-injures that elbow. Like it's hard to have a player who's accustomed to play a certain way all of a sudden just drop all those things that come so instinctually yeah. like running does for Josh Allen. That part is going to be tough. We love all of that. I love all three of these quarterbacks here. Let's move on to tier two field. Yep. This feels like the value tier. You're looking at guys here. I would love to throw the, the slate up on the screen. You're looking at guys here that I think have the upside to potentially jump into that tier one, but you're not spending tier one draft capital on them. So yep. we're looking at these guys. We've got five players in this tier, Daniel. Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow. Yep. Justin Herbert, Justin Fields, yep. and Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. I think first thought when I look at this, all these guys make a ton of sense to me. Last year, Justin Herbert was quarterback 15 mm-hmm. on the year. Yep. It looks like you're more in on a rebound rather than a repeat. How come? Uh, so Justin Herbert might be the guy that I'm most excited about in this tier to make a leap this season. Justin Herbert uh, and the Chargers are going from like death by a thousand paper cuts to no risk it, no biscuit offensive approach. So Kellen Moore, their new offensive coordinator, of course, comes from Dallas. And what he has been known to do in the past is be aggressive. Yes, the Cowboys did run the ball quite consistently last year, but they are not afraid to take shots. Kellen Moore has been talking about it for whatever reason. Joe Lombardi, the prior Chargers play caller, felt like it was important to kind of just like matriculate the ball down the field. Maybe it was because the offensive line has been banged up and at times not very good for the Chargers. Maybe it was because Justin was so hurt last year. Remember, he shattered his ribs in week two. The longer the throw down the field, the more time you need to protect. Maybe it was preventative. Maybe it was because they felt like their two most reliable pass catchers went healthy last year, Austin Eckler and also Keenan Allen. I would argue, though, that when you make a coordinator change to Kellen Moore and he spends the entire offseason proclaiming how important it is for this team to be more vertical and you draft Quinton Johnson in the first round out of TCU, it suggests this team is going to play like a Justin Herbert offense should play. Love everything about how the Chargers have approached their offensive offseason. And I think that that offensive line as currently constructed and with the Chargers, you can never count on health is certainly good enough to get lots of shots down the field. I've got him as quarterback seven, Daniel, and the value here is just out of control. He's going as the 55th player. So middle of the six rounds right now for Justin Herbert, that's the opportunity cost that we were discussing earlier. Herbert in the sixth plus a running back in the second vis-a-vis Patrick Mahomes in the middle of the second round and whatever running back is available in, in the, the sixth. Six. Yeah, I, I love that. And it's a really great point. You look at everything, by the way, Justin Herbert's top two wide receivers, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams missed a combined 11 games last year. That's going to, that's going to do a ton for a quarterback's value when you strip him of his top two wide receivers for 11 games combined. Also, like, I know it sounds crazy because you know, he had a bad year last year, did Justin Herbert. And there was like a, just a brutal month. We like kept waiting for it with Herbo and looking back to last season after week two, he had just one game with more than 20 fantasy points. But yep. like, we're still talking about a player who even in a system that I didn't love, Daniel, back-to-back seasons to begin his career, 31 touchdown passes, 38 touchdown passes, two seasons ago, 2021, in that system that I was just yep. dogging. Yep. 38 touchdown passes and 5,000 passing yards. Very good runner as well. Didn't have any rushing touchdowns last season. Maybe there's not a lot of that, but has over 50 rushing attempts in each of his first three seasons. Enough with his legs that a leap into the top three for quarterbacks would not be a surprise for Justin Herbert. All right. So here's my question closing out tier two. You're not investing early draft capital to get one of these guys, but do you think that they all, or there's some of them that have tier one upside? potentially baked into that. Yeah, I, I think sort of if I were to, to, to assign a tab assign a title to these tier two guys, it would be if they finish as a top three quarterback, it wouldn't surprise me. Right. And maybe we can even d- dig into these a little bit more Daniel, because they are kind of my favorite tier of quarterbacks, right? Like I think all of them can get there. Yep. 
Lamar Jackson has been quarterback one in fantasy before. He's been a unanimous MVP. We've seen it. Uh, this applies to two quarterbacks, different tiers, but two quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers were at odds with their teams last season. Rodgers on a different team. He's yeah. rejuvenated. He's ready to go out there and prove some people wrong. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, it was like a, it was a dysfunctional marriage last year. I think the contract being done, the pieces and plays around him, the offensive system that has been totally overhauled should lead to a massive season for Lamar Jackson. Him uh, as my quarterback five, quarterback four, excuse me, like possible great value there. I really like all of these guys for that reason. Trevor Lawrence, the calculus is pretty straightforward. Trevor Lawrence is a freaking stud loaded with weapons this year. Yep. Offensive line is something they got to figure out a little bit. Cam Robinson, their starting left tackle, uh, suspended. They lost Jawan Taylor in free agency to the Chiefs to a very expensive contract. I think they'll get the offensive line figured out. They use a first-round pick on Anton Harrison. Not super concerned about this offensive line. And I mentioned earlier in talking about how, like, if Mahomes and Allen never improve, they're still good enough to be the MVP every year. Yeah. Like, Trevor Lawrence should be better. Justin mm-hmm. Fields should be a better player. They're only in their third seasons in the NFL. The Even if nothing else changed around them, just by like being one more year experienced, having one more offseason, those guys should be better football players. Part of the reason why I'm optimistic on all five of these guys, as I know only three guys can finish as top three quarterbacks, right? right. But all five <laughs> of these guys have the upside to be a top three fantasy quarterback this season. Absolutely. I love this tier of quarterbacks. I'm with you as my, my favorite tier of quarterbacks. We'll talk more about them. Well, as can we, we play this out just quickly on because sure. you and I are having this conversation yesterday, like just as an exercise here, like if I made you the proposal, I have Patrick Mahomes. Yep. And I give you Mahomes plus Rashad white. Okay. And in return, you send me Justin Herbert and Saquon Barkley. Like, which side do you prefer? Saquon Barkley and Justin Herbert. Yeah, so that's just kind of the calculus you have to think about when you're using a premium pick on a quarterback. Yeah. I just, by the way, what I did there was I just found the running back closest in ADP slot to Patrick Mahomes, that being Saquon Barkley, about one slot apart, and then the running back closest to Justin Herbert, that being Rashad White, separated by less than one spot right now in terms of current ADP. 54.6 for Rashad White as opposed to 55.0 for Herbert. And yeah. so there are a lot of different ways that there are a lot of different quarterbacks you can a lot of different running backs you can take in round two, and there are certainly different running backs you can take in round six. I just think you have to sort of imagine the opportunity cost of what you're bypassing by taking a quarterback early, which is why in general, I feel like these quarterbacks that we're discussing, which range from Lamar at pick 35.0 to Trevor Lawrence at pick 74.3. Wow. Like getting Trevor Lawrence, a guy who I think has top three quarterback upside in the eighth, eighth round, I don't think I can say anything close to that for the running backs that you're getting in the eighth round right now. That's Isaiah Pacheco and Cam Akers. Yeah. Like if those guys finished as top 20 running backs this year, top 15 running backs this year, you would be saying, that's awesome. That's great. Yep. <laughs> if you get a top three quarterback in the eighth round, that to me is sensational value. Value. All about value. I love this tier two of quarterbacks field. We're going to keep talking about it throughout the offseason. Let's keep moving forward, though, here. Okay. A lot more quarterbacks to talk about. I wasn't aware this was something a person could do, but it I looks like rules today. we have a tier two and a half. We do. Yeah, we do. We have a tier two and a half. It's Deshaun Watson. He's by himself. Why? It's one player. Why so, is he all alone in a tier field? We discussed yesterday one of the burning questions for the upcoming season is like, what kind of player is Deshaun Watson mm-hmm. this year after a season in which if you just watched the film and didn't know his history, you'd think like, that guy's not good. Six games played last year. The Browns went three and three, and that wasn't because of Deshaun Watson. <laughs> and that's a three and three is what the Browns are looking for, by the way. But here's how I sort of I, I landed on a tier two and a half is that I think the apex of Deshaun Watson on the field as a, as a talent is the same as what we just discussed with those guys, yeah. right? Like when Deshaun Watson was riding at his highest as a quarterback on the field, his talent was very much in line with what we were just talking about. Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, maybe even Jalen Hurts and, and Patrick Holmes and Josh Allen. Like there was a time where saying that Deshaun Watson was the best young quarterback not named Patrick Mahomes was like, yeah, yep, that's correct. I'll take like, that. He's, he's, 
at least in the conversation. I think he is, <clears throat> excuse me, I think he is more talented than the guys that are. Your, we're going to discuss uh, in the next tier at this him. juncture of their career, right? Yep. And yep. he and he also has like more vehicles to get there as a fantasy asset because Deshaun can really run. Mm-hmm. He did have 36 carries last year. We'll see how much of that uh, he in, they incorporate this season. Six games. He played six, six games. games. So that's six 36 carries. carries. So that's over a hundred. If you extrapolate that out over a full season, Love right? That. That's a good number. Yeah. It's a very good number. I was just saying that Justin Herbert has had over 50 every season. And that's like not terrible. Right. Right. Um, so the potential for rushing upside, that being said, like, if you told me that Trevor Lawrence like really regressed this season and just didn't look like the player he was last year, I'd be flummoxed. If you told me that like, man, like the Browns may have made a $230 million mistake and Deshaun Watson's improvement was either only incremental or like that's just who he's become. Yeah. I would be surprised, but I wouldn't be baffled. I wouldn't be like, Oh my God. Yeah. How did this happen? Right? Like, maybe the two or so years off and maybe just like just he just took a big step back that is overcomable so that's why i had to put him in tier two and a half the upside is higher than the guys that we'll discuss next but the downside is quite a bit lower than the players that we just discussed in tier two okay i think that's totally fair does he have excuse me would you say tier one upside at the end of the day or do you think he only has tier one and a half upside Uh, (laughs) i think it's more like like i think a top three fantasy season for Deshaun would be surprising to me. It'd be Pretty surprising because of the quarterbacks that we're talking about ahead of him, like you've got better runners like Justin Fields and Lamar Jackson. And then you've got guys that I think have better supporting casts around them. Burrow, Herbert and yep. Lawrence. I would take each of their group of pass catchers over the Browns, which is, you know, Mari Cooper, Elijah Moore, David and Joku, Donovan Peoples, Jones stack up the Bengals, the Jaguars and the chargers. I'd rather that group than the Browns. I think I'm totally with you on that. There's just more, there's more to risk, I think, but you have the same upside with Deshaun Watson. If you decide you want to wait on the quarterback position, he's very intriguing for me, super intriguing. And I think one of the harder quarterbacks to be able to figure out because the range of outcomes potentially is bigger than what we want it to be for a guy that we've seen be a superstar quarterback in this league. Regression happens in sports. Guys go from being the best to not the best or becoming, go from being a really good player to not being a really good player. Deshaun's 27. We don't usually see a quarterback lose his ability to play from like age 25 to 26 and 27. Right. Right. So it's possible that a player we'll talk about in just a little bit, Russell Wilson, like maybe the age curve just hit him like a ton of bricks in his mid thirties. That history shows us is more common than Deshaun Watson. I don't think he's just forgotten how to play. But if he doesn't prove it this year, then the Browns, who have had massive issues trying to find a quarterback, just made the biggest mistake they've ever made for a franchise that has been snake bitten by a lot lot of bad quarterback decisions. Yeah. All right, let's move on to tier three here. And this is a very interesting tier as well, Field. I feel like there's a one of these things feels like not like the other. Okay. Let's look at this tier three list as we throw it up on the board. You've got Dak Prescott, Geno Smith, Kirk Cousins, Tua Tungavailoa, Aaron Rodgers, and Daniel Jones. There are two things that stand out to me when I look at this field. One, Daniel Jones kind of feels like he's not like the rest of these guys because he uses his legs. You know, I know Geno ran a little bit, but he just definitely uses his legs way more than the rest of these guys. Did you think about having Daniel Jones in that tier two and a half or tier two because of his potential leg usage or did he fall into that tier three because of his passing game? Yeah. So here's how I would classify tier three as is that like I can leave this player. I can leave a draft with this player as my starter. Okay. If I whiffed on my early picks of running backs and wide receivers, I'm going to be in trouble Sure, because I just don't think these guys have enough weekly upside or there are limitations, whether it's durability, whether it's rushing upside, whether it's passing upside that are going to probably land this player close to close to closer to quarterback 10 or 11 or 12 in a given week than quarterback four or five or six. So yeah, you mentioned them again, um, but like, so let's, let's, we can just unpack this a little bit with Daniel Jones. Like, awesome season last year for the giants in a lot of ways earned himself that new extension this off season um, was great for fantasy purposes, Daniel. Um, but still like if you go back and look at his passing yardage from last year, 
like it looks almost like kind of like like college. He had 3,205 passing yards with 15 passing touchdowns. The secret sauce for Jones, of course, was the fact that he had 708 rushing yards, third amongst quarterbacks in rushing yards last season and seven rushing touchdowns. You look at the Giants personnel this offseason, it does suggest to me that they're going to be more likely to throw it more often. And unlike, you know, like Josh Allen, the Bills have had good personnel. Yeah. And he's still run a ton, right? Like, I think part of what happened last year with the Giants is kind of like the Bears. They had to run Justin Fields and Daniel Jones. They didn't have anybody else to throw it to, right? Excuse me. So Giants were that wide receiver spot was a a position of attrition last year by the time you got to the end of the season for the New York Giants. Yeah, and I don't think they have a star receiver now. I think they have a really, really capable tight end in Darren Waller. But their wide receiver group looks a lot better now than it did last year, even if it's far from perfect, right? Like Paris Campbell had a solid season for the Colts last year. Isaiah Hodgins played well for for the Giants down the stretch, like, We'll see if they get anything out of Sterling Shepard or Jalen Hyatt, their third round pick, or Wandale Robinson once he's fully healthy. It sounds like him and Shepard are both trending in the right direction after major injuries last year. But uh, Daniel Jones, I just don't know if uh, the passing upside is significant enough, even though I do think it grows this year. As we know, with Daniel Jones, like we had a three-year sample size of putting the ball in his hands too much and it being a problem. So you're kind of balancing the progress as a passer with what I do think will be a bit of a dip as a runner. I just don't think the upside's nearly the same as somebody like Justin Fields, who I mentioned yesterday. Right. Progress as a passer, a little bit of a dip as a runner. I I think these guys are just in two different categories talent-wise. I think Justin Fields clearly the superior player in terms of overall skill set and upside. I'm totally with you on that one. I also think it's interesting, I mean, just looking at this list, Dak Prescott is at the end of your tier three. Are the Dallas Cowboys going to run the football so much that Dak Prescott is at the end of your third tier of quarterbacks? I struggle with this one a lot, and I wonder if this might be the player that I have too low in this tier. For many, many years, Dak was like a rock-solid, set-it-forget-it quarterback in fantasy, right? If you look past this past uh, this past season, excuse me. So you go to 2021, nearly 4,500 passing yards, Mm -hmm. and he accounted for 40 touchdowns. I'm sorry, 38 touchdowns, 37 of them through the air, right? In prior years, a 30-touchdown season in 2019, which included nearly 300 rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns, right? To begin his career, he had 18 rushing touchdowns in his first three seasons. Like, the guy was rock solid for so many years. I wonder if this is perhaps me being a little bit too much in my feelings last year because I had Dak on a couple of different rosters and maybe felt snake bitten by the fact that I had him. He felt like he was going to be a guy to begin the season. He gets hurt early. He comes back. Wasn't effective enough. But the Cowboys keep talking about running the football a lot this season, Daniel. I spoke yesterday about how, like, I'm not totally buying it. There's a pretty reasonable case that I'm too low on Dak Prescott at quarterback 15. But I also want to push back because while I'm not trying to come at you with this, But if we think that Justin Herbert is going to see an uptick in potential value because of what Kellen Moore brings to this offense, I think it's totally fair to think that Dak potentially sees a regression a little bit with a change to a different offensive coordinator. What's weird, though, is you're right, because the Cowboys keep saying they want to run the ball more, but actions and words do not align right now, right? Because it's like, okay, here's what we want to do. Run the football really well. Yep. And yet this offseason, we traded for Brandon Cooks. Mm Mm-hmm. We have not signed a backup running back other than Ronald Jones, who, by the way, just got suspended Suspended. for the first two games of the season. So Tony Pollard coming off of a broken leg is our starting running back. And in the past, we have been very open about how we think Tony Pollard's a more effective player when you keep his workload in check. So it's like, all right, so everything they do keeps telling you, like, we might be airing it out a little bit more. And then Mike McCarthy says (laughs) things like, I want to run the damn football. So I, I, I admit this is a difficult player for me to place. <clears throat> and if you feel like the sample size of Dak is so much bigger than it is for Geno Smith and Daniel Jones, totally fair and sure. valid criticism, and you are more comfortable taking him, I think that is totally fair. The reason why I didn't have Dak or can't make the case for Dak like quite in like that second tier is that I think the days of Dak as a consistent runner are gone. Yeah. Right. The past two seasons, he has rushed the past three seasons, but in 2020, he was hurt for a good chunk of it. Right. But here is rushing yards over the past three seasons. 93. Yep. 
That was in five games, but still. 93, 146. How many was that? How many games was that? 146 in 16 games. That's and then a- last year, 12 games, 882. So 15 rushing yards, right? Like, I just don't think that the rushing upside, like, he, not that Justin Herbert is running the ball at this insane rate. I told you it was 50 plus in each of the past three years, but it's not like it was 75. But Justin Herbert's scrambles are more dangerous right now than Dak Prescott. He's just a more fluid, better athlete than Dak is right now. So I think that the rushing upside is limited enough for Dak that I don't, I can't make the case for him inside that tier two, which would have him closer to quarterback ten than where I have him at quarterback fifteen. But I'm I'm five spots behind consensus, Daniel. Tier three feels like the quarterback tier of questions because everybody here has questions that have put him here yeah. rather than in that second tier of quarterbacks, right? Aaron Rodgers, what's he going to look like now that we, you know he's in? in New York and he looked so terrible last year. Yeah. Kirk Cousins doesn't use his legs, but he has a ton of, you know, just floor with his arm and yeah, Justin Cousins Jefferson. feels like the boring one in this team. It does. Absolutely. So I, I, I kind of expect Kirk Cousins to be what he's been, right? Throw the ball a ton to really, really good receivers. The best in football and Justin yep. Jefferson, a great tight end and TJ Hawkinson, a, a rookie that I'll talk about a ton. Um, he's the one that feels the most normal, like yep. not a lot of rushing upside. The wild cards are, Kind of everybody else. Yes. I think Geno Smith is a really, a really tough one for me to figure out. You said if you want to put Dak ahead of Geno because you've seen it, then I understand that. That's my big concern here, right? We saw Geno Smith for the first time at the age of 30 put together his first top 10 season at the quarterback position. What's to say that that's definitely going to continue or that that wasn't potentially an outlier because we hadn't seen it. Now, Geno has a ton of a ton of skill position players at his disposal that should make that offense be really good. But there are question marks across the board with this tier three, which I think is a very interesting tier. Anybody else that you want to, or anything else you want to mention here before we move on from tier three field? Um, I would just say that uh, this tier three, like again, this is, you said this is the tier of questions to the next couple of tiers, right? Well, yeah. And Tua, like the, just the, the very quick summary here on Tua is that when he was on the field last year was great against the lesser, like the Dolphins teeth of their schedule happened late in the season, yep. as did the final injury of his season when he got hurt and, and another, uh, another concussion. Right. So like that second half for Tua was a much different player than the first half. Um, Tua has zero rushing value whatsoever. He's going to have to be elite throwing the football consistently. I have him a quarterback 11 because I think he's very capable of that. The Dolphins' defensive schedule is much more difficult right from Jump Street this year than it was at the beginning of last year when he had some defenses that he absolutely chewed apart early yeah. when there was no stopping that entire Dolphins offense. Yeah, I think that's... I'm really interested to see what that AFC East looks like. That's going to be a juggernaut of a division, man. None of them are bad, right? Like, yeah. I, I don't think they're all playoff teams, but uh, none of them are bad. It's going to be fascinating to see how that all goes. All right, Field, we're going to dive into quarterbacks tier four and five after this, but first, why don't you tell me about our friends over at Geico? How would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Uh, yes, please. Of course you would. When it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. And Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. Take your shot at huge wins with DraftKings Sportsbook. You could win big with money lines, props, parlays, and more. Right now, new customers can score $150 in bonus bets instantly for betting just $5 on anything. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code FFF. That's code FFF only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In West Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER.net in partnership with Hollywood Casino and Charlestown Races. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly. Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.com. No, dang it. Oh, I was so close. You were doing great. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash baseball terms. Dang it. Oh, that was tough. 
All right, field tier four. Hold on, before we get there, can we tell our friends about Kevin Pulse for right oh, now? Oh, and hold on, this was my this was going to be my lead into. Okay, it. do it, do it, do it, do it. Tier four at the quarterback position feels like sitting in the middle row of a long flight. Oh, okay. It's like the it's the guys that you're never really excited about. Yeah. You're not pumped to be able to in this situation. If you realize that you got a flight and you didn't get a window or an aisle seat, and then yeah. you check it, you're always disappointed. That's okay. how I would feel with the tier four guys. Uh, if I left a draft with them, but I do also want to mention Kevin Pulsifer, who's doing some awesome things based on losing his league field Yates. <laughs> you have a diff- different, different awesome definition things. of awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. Cool. So our buddy, Kevin Pulsifer, ace researcher for fantasy He's football so now, and just an awesome overall dude, uh, lost a league that he had been like an absolute juggernaut in for several years in a row. Uh, and then it's a dynasty league. So he just basically tanked last year, knowing that like it was going to be painful, rather acquire future assets yep. as a result of losing that punishment. Losing that league. Here's what Kevin Pulsifer has to do. Over a 36-hour stretch, Daniel, has to fly from Hartford to Baltimore, Baltimore to Orlando, Orlando to Dallas, Dallas to L.A., L.A. to Las Vegas, Vegas to Denver, and Denver back to Hartford. That sounds awful. Sounds terrible. (laughs) Like, I don't like flying, period. Maybe it's because I have two kids and flying with kids is a pain. I'm not a big flyer. Pulse. I hope that those draft picks that you got were worth it. Like, I you. hope you got like Bijan Robinson and Jordan Addison and whoever you're fit, you know, CJ Stroud yes. as a result of Somebody. this, because um, 36 hours is a long time to be up in the air with very little to do, Daniel. But if you want to support Pulse's cause, yes, donorbox.org slash sky pulse. That's donorbox.org slash sky pulse, P U L S E. I tweeted the link or retweeted the link on my Twitter timeline. I believe others have as well. Looking to raise $5,000. All for the V Foundation. We've talked about them a million times here. Yes, uh, if you hate cancer like we do, vfoundation.org, the perfect way to make your impact financially and support a great dude in Kevin Pulsifer. Uh, if you are want to do so, no amount is too small, and uh, it's raising a good cause. And you can check out his, uh, his, his feed of this. He's doing it through Twitter, hashtag SkyPulse. He's a maniac, but he's our maniac, and we love him. Oh, I freaking love him. The idea of flying from Hartford down the East Coast to Orlando and then flying all the way across the country to Los Angeles yeah. just to have to come back to the Midwest and, uh, like, I can't. I can't even do this. I, like, what would you do for 36 hours? He gets into Los Angeles tonight at 11.25 p.m., yeah. and then his next flight takes off at 6.35 the following morning. I know he's not getting a hotel. Yeah. I, he's definitely just staying in that airport. But this is costly, by the way. Like, yeah. his league fronted the costs. <laughs> like, I'm like, wouldn't you guys rather buy, like, a sweet trophy from Trophy Smack instead? Yes. Or like, there has to be a way to reallocate Kevin, the uh, resources that is, you guys spent on these This things. is what it's all about, though. Shout out to our friends over at Trophy Smack, so make sure, Kevin, I know you don't know what one of these looks like, but this is a championship belt for winging wow. a, uh, a fantasy football wow. league. Put it right there. This yeah. is what you are looking for, my friend. Shout out to our buddies over at Trophy Smack. Uh, make sure that you go follow them if you're looking for anything fun as far as trophies, but as far as punishments, like you said, Field, go follow our friend Kevin Pulsifer on Twitter right now. All right, let's do this. Let's, let's go talk through tier four. Last couple tiers here, and we'll be a little more uh, succinct because uh, obviously the further you get from one, Daniel, yeah, the less likely you are uh, to have this player as your quarterback. All right, first thought when I look at tier four, let's throw the guys that you have up here. You got four quarterbacks yep. in your fourth tier. Yep. Russell Wilson, Jared Goff, Anthony Richardson, Matthew Stafford. First thought, we finally see... Anthony Richardson make his way onto this list. Not an option, I don't think, in a one quarterback league. So mm. my question to you, in a draft scenario where you're doing a 10 or 12 team league or a team building strategy, how are you approaching Anthony Richardson? Hardest player to place of all the quarterbacks on the board. Anthony Richardson is perhaps, and I'm not trying to be hyperbolic here, he's perhaps the greatest athlete that we have ever seen come out of the combine, at least in the last like 10 or 15 years. That includes guys like Cam Newton, guys uh, you know, named Josh Allen or any of these guys, Lamar Jackson, right? Like when you combine Anthony Richardson's size plus his speed, right? I mean, it's freakish six foot four 244 pounds four four six highest vertical ever for a quarterback the guy is maybe one of one physically when you say that it immediately makes you think he could run like the wind if you go back and watch some of his highlights from his his time in florida had some absurd absurd runs people will point to the lsu run the game against utah when he was tremendous the upside for anthony richardson is off the charts daniel The question is, how soon does he reach that upside? Because we have seen quarterbacks, and I will use Justin Fields as an example. We saw last year how tantalizing Justin Fields is as a player, right? He is 
unbelievable. He had just, he became just the second or third, excuse me, third quarterback to ever rush for a thousand yards in a season. But remember, Justin Fields is a rookie and I get it. That system. No, I love of, this. Uh, you this know, there were the, some coaching concerns there and all that. I'm but with you on this. Justin Fields as a rookie was ineffective as a player, right? Sometimes it just takes guys more than a year. Justin Fields as a rookie, seven touchdowns, 10 picks, 420 rushing yards, just two rushing touchdowns. Like that's not enough rushing. Nope. Even though he only played 12 games that year to make, make him a weekly starter in fantasy. So an old term we use a ton. Matthew used to always talk about this range of outcomes. Mm-hmm. Pretty substantial here for Anthony Richardson. Yeah. If the Colts unleash him, Jalen Hurts style with Shane Steichen, the Colts head coach, now overseeing the offense, previously the Eagles offensive coordinator, there's a lot of upside here, Daniel. Mm-hmm. But if this is a player who is still a work in progress as a passer, who has okay pass catchers, but I wouldn't say the Colts wide receiver group is like, it's not dominant by any stretch, right? They're fine. Like Michael Pittman Jr. as a player, Alec Pierce is going to be a good player, but it's not like he's walking into a situation where you're saying to yourself, all right, if he can just be okay, right. the pieces around him will elevate him. You do like the system. It's different, though, when Jalen Hurts is in year three. Oh, by the way, like assuming that every player is going to have like the discipline and the like determination that Jalen Hurts has, I mean, the guy is a freak in that regard. That to me is also a bit unfair to what Jalen Hurts like represents and stand like Anthony Richardson might get there in time, but to assume that he's just going to immediately pick things up like Jalen Hurts would like would be discounting some of the greatness of Jalen Hurts in my estimation. So it could be great if they ran him 12 times a game, it would be unbelievable, Daniel. But I think that the early reports from training camp, and you always take these with a little bit of a grain of salt because we've seen good and bad turn into bad and good in the preseason in the past have sort of been in line with what you'd expect and down erratic incredible i should go erratic incredible, incredible right yeah it's going to be a roller coaster this year for anthony richardson so do i think that anthony richardson on average is like quarterback 18 no do i think that he could be quarterback 18 at the end of the season in points per game yes because he might have four or five just ridiculous yeah. 25 point outings when he rushes for 100 yards and two touchdowns offset by some games where he has just four rushes for 22 yards and then throws for 105 yards and two picks. The idea of the quarterback eight games coming is going to also be offset season long by the quarterback 27 games that he has. I thought about, and I probably should have put him in a different tier. I probably should have put him in tier three and a half. I, I, was, well, I was just going to say that is, is yeah. he a, a, like that younger version of right now, the Deshaun Watson tier, because yeah. there, there is question marks, but that upside seems to be higher than the upside of everyone else in this. Tier. It does. And maybe that's a bit dismissive of Jared Goff, but I kind of felt like oh. Jared Goff, Russell Wilson, Matthew Stafford are all similar in this regard. Daniel is that, Rushing value, um, Russ has some potential rushing value, but I feel like with these guys, like, kind of boring, right? Like, in the right system, can play really well for stretches. I'd be surprised if Jared Goff goes as nuclear as he did during the last 10 games of last season right. for a full 17-game slate. And with Matthew Stafford, like, questions about his health, that team could be terrible this really year. Bad. I don't know that they're going to wave the white flag when you still have Cooper cup and Aaron Donald. I think it's hard to look your guys in the eyes and say like, stop playing. But I think it's like my, my tier four is like boring, but potentially serviceable, especially in bye weeks. You know, what's weird. Your tier tier four, uh, just in looking at this, you've got three super bowl starting quarterbacks <laughs> in tier four I know. of Crazy. your fantasy quarterbacks. Yeah. I know. Well, that's, yeah, on-field success. That's and, at, yeah, man. but these guys are all players in their mid to late 30s. Uh, not Goff, but uh, Wilson and Safford and, are older. And, and this is their, at a different age point. So uh, Tier 4 is fine. You could make the case, Daniel, that you'd find better value in some of the players in Tier 5 than Tier 4. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. so let me ask you this when we'll close out Tier 4. Yep. What types of leagues are you drafting these guys from? Is this two quarterback leagues? Is this yeah, super flex yeah, leagues? Like, pretty much. Like Richardson might be... Richardson is going to be like my... like. I can't resist player on occasion Sure. if I've already, but like, let's say I took a Geno Smith part of my tier three. Like I hadn't waited on quarterback. I might not be able to resist also drafting, drafting Anthony Richardson. If I have a top eight quarterback, like I'm not going to bother. Not worth right? it. Yeah. But like if I'm ever double dipping at quarterback, Richardson will be my favorite from this tier with a couple others from the next tier that I'll probably have some shares of as well. All right, then let's dive into tier five fields. Yates. Yeah. 
This one is a very interesting one, too. When I, when I first look at this, it's going to start off with Kyler Murray. Yep. Uh, we got Derek Carr, Kenny Pickett, Jimmy G, yep. Jordan Love, and Bryce Young. My first thought, Kyler's only on this list because he's hurt. Yep. If that's, Kyler wasn't hurt, I, he'd no, be... It wouldn't surprise me if he plays eight games. wouldn't surprise me if he plays zero games this year. And that's what there's... Again, that no range idea. of outcomes because we're not sure, right? Yep, it's, no it's idea. It's tough to figure that part out. Um, I, I'm surprised. I'm surprised with the Kenny Pickett slander. I'm going to be honest. Our friend DJ Gallo is is threading up a storm right now. Is He's he? knitting a storm. Yeah, on threads right now. So oh, frustrated. I think so. It just really? has, it just as a Steelers fan. He's you know oh. using his burner account over I there. I feel like threads, threads kind of came and went quickly, but it maybe did. I'm not. I'm, yeah, that's. I think you're right. I think you're right on that one. But I'm I am surprised. Kenny Pickett. We watched him Still last year be able to. You know, we saw some some positive things that you know we are excited for him to be able to build upon. Yeah. I was just shocked that he was in tier four and not tier five. So why is it that he's a little bit lower for oh, you? So you? You think he should be in tier four. I, I would have had five. Kenny Pickett in tier four. Yeah. Yeah. So it's an interesting one, Daniel. Um, okay. Runner, right? Not special, but Only okay. Okay. Yep. okay. If you look at his game logs last year, uh, 15, 10, 16, then 20, 37, 51. That's good. 14, 32, 14, 16, 9, 2, 1, Right. So like, okay. Rushing. Um, uh, that that and like that's kind of what I mentioned with like Justin Herbert like enough there to add some value um okay passing last year he had fewer uh intercept fewer touchdowns and interceptions completed just 63 percent of his passes but he is definitely the make the leap candidate among second year quarterbacks not that last year's quarterback class was anything to write home about as well but yeah um he's one of two quarterbacks that we haven't really discussed yet that I am most nervous about being too low on um I do think that this is a good group of pass catchers around him. Sure. Two really good receivers in Deontay Johnson. George Pickens is a breakout player. Allen Robinson maybe is like a resuscitated value type of guy. Not overly hyped there. Um, not particularly enthused by the, by the system here. Okay. So what is it about this tier five then? Like, is there someone in this tier five that you actually do like more than the rest? Not including Kyler Murray, because yeah. obviously his, his skill would put him higher than that. Probably like the guy that I don't even have in tier five that I'm a little bit nervous about Ooh. is Desmond Ritter for the Falcons. And uh, Ritter is just such a good athlete and was such a good runner in college. He had 28 rushing touchdowns at Cincinnati. Like that's just a number you can't ignore five, five, 12 and six for the four seasons. He started at Cincinnati. Um, I have no idea what that passing offense is going to look like. We've been looking for some clarity there. Um, Falcons fans, I'm sorry. I had like one tweet yesterday about how like I just wanted to see more accurate passes to Kyle Pitts. Yep. And Falcons fans got like really mad about that. Like Ritter has been much better during training camp. It's fine. I'm reading Michael Rothstein as well. Like I'm following the coverage. It's just that like for the past two years, Kyle Pitts has felt like the hypothetical goat. Sure. Not goat, but he's been felt like the hypothetical awesome yeah, thing absolutely. as opposed to the actual awesome thing that you would imagine a guy who's six foot three and 225 pounds. and can run like the wind, which should be. Has, when was the last time a wide receiver came in with that high of expectations from the draft? A uh, tight end, probably. I don't or, know. Sorry, tight end. Yeah. Vernon Davis, maybe. It's right. been a long time. Like yeah, there, there was years, a reason why those years. expectations yeah, were there. Because super was, high. Yeah. So anyways, um, but Ritter, if he puts it together as a passer a little bit, Daniel, and they do run him a lot, um, obviously Bijan should command, hopefully, all the goal line carries. But that's a player that I think has some avenues there, right? Like, Interesting. Back to that second year quarterback plan, like guys who expect a development because they're a year seasoned. They're not seeing things for the first time. Ritter was not great when he got to start last year. Like, did not like it wasn't like a, I entered the offseason saying Atlanta should absolutely not explore the quarterback market. I think it's it's okay to do that. Um and did not produce in a major way for fantasy. And so like I'm not totally dismissing that Desmond Ritter and Sam Howell could start 17 games this year and be pretty effective players. I'm also not totally dismissing that Taylor Heineke and Jacoby Brissett could end up starting the most games for those two franchises. Jacoby Brissett looked freaking awesome for the Browns last the year. He, Browns quarterback he last made year. Amari Cooper look so much better than Deshaun Watson made totally. Amari Cooper yeah. look. So, so that, I think that's part of the calculus as well here is when you're this low, you're also betting against. Yeah. Like, hey, are you, you, are, you are accounting for the fact that these guys could not start every game. Yeah. And the ultimate wild card here, Daniel, is Jordan Love. Because I'm here to tell you, I don't know what Jordan Love's going to be. He was a first round pick three years ago, started one game, looked good during that one game, but you know, one game, right? Or looked, he looked fine in that one start against the chiefs. As a matter of fact, it was just average, but in that game of relief duty last year against the, the Eagles looked pretty sharp, but let me just remind people this. 
The Packers don't know what they have in Jordan Love. Mm-hmm. This offseason, the Packers had to make a choice. They could have picked up or declined a fifth-year option on Jordan Love. If they picked it up, it would have given them like a $25 million fully guaranteed salary next year. If they had declined it, he would have become a free agent. How do you pick that up when you've never seen the guy play? And well, they didn't. Instead, they met in the middle, and they signed this wonky contract that gives Love some upside, but was for less than $25 million guaranteed. That, to me, was a sign. Like, putting your money where your mouth is, right? Like, they don't know exactly what they have in Jordan Love. Yeah. There seems to be some promise. It's a super young receiving core. He is one of the ultimate wild cards for all the quarterbacks this season. I am totally with you. For all you. football this season. Yeah. I have Jordan Love. Our uh, our boss, <laughs> Scott Clark, at yeah. All Biz on the X, uh, has been trying to get Jordan Love or Desmond Ritter from me in our Dynasty League because he needs a second quarterback. Yep. And, and it's tough for me to know how to value them. I mean, how can you say with certainty that Jordan Love is a good or bad or bad? Right. You can't. I have no idea. Right. I mean, if if he were such a no doubt about it quarterback, Aaron Rodgers probably gets traded prior to this offseason. Yes, I get it. He was coming off of back to back MVPs. I get that part. Packers fans. I get that. I'm just saying that, like, there is an element of uncertainty that even me, an optimist on the Packers, a person who has backed this front office consistently for the roster building, it's done. Like, I still don't know. That's why it's hard for me to cast my die stronger on Jordan Love, higher my quarterback ranks. Yeah, I'm with you on that. All right. I think that's really it for tier five. Tier five honestly just seems like it's a bunch of journeymen and young guys that have yet to be able to make the leap into that third tier. Yeah, I think those are players that if you're taking two quarterbacks, it's like okay to use the, a late, late a round, round pick on, on them. them. But I also think that most of those guys will end up going undrafted is where I would put them. All right. To close the show out, Phil, yep. I got a couple of questions for Please you. Please hit me. A couple quarterback questions. Yep. Are you taking one of those elite quarterbacks in the, we talked about tier one yeah. rounds one through three or are you saving for that value portion that we talked about? On average, I'm saving for the value. I just like the Trevor Lawrence strategy in round eight as opposed to Patrick Mahomes in round two. When you play in a lot of leagues like both you and I do, I end up having a lot of different exposures. So yes, I'll have some Patrick Mahomes in my life. But if I were to play in one league and just had to adopt a, a strategy for a standalone draft, it would be wait to that middle tier of quarterbacks. That's where I think the value is. Quarterbacks four to quarterback eight. Okay, so then in 10 to 12 team leagues, I think you said this earlier on in the show, but just to re-ask it, 10 to 12 team leagues, what's the latest tier that you want to leave a draft with your starting quarterback? Tier three is serviceable. So again, just to remind people who that is, Daniel Jones, Tua Tungvaluwa, Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, Geno Smith, Dak Prescott. That's a serviceable tier for you to leave a draft with as a starter. But if you leave with one of those five guys, you better have done an awesome job early in the draft with your running backs and wide receivers. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. How... How will this quarterback conversation change if we're not talking one quarterback drafts? Because that's how we're doing. And we're talking something like super flex or two quarterback leagues. If I'm in a super flex league, I will take a quarterback in the first round no matter what. Yeah. I mean, if, like, I don't care if it's pick, I get pick 10 and Austin Eckler is staring me in the face. I'm taking a quarterback. It just drops off so precipitously at some point, right? Because if it's a 10 team league, really what that means, Daniel, is that 20 quarterbacks start. We get into those bye weeks. And next thing you know, it's like my offensive, my, my OP, my offensive player position is like, I'm starting Jamison Crowder in my OP spot. How did this happen to me? Like, why didn't I just take three quarterbacks in the draft? Yeah. Like all those players in tier five, they matter yep. in two quarterback leagues. But I am always leaving round one with a quarterback in a two quarterback slash super flex league. And in a one quarterback league, especially 10 or 12 team leagues, I'm usually drafting one and only rostering one. But in a super flex league, I'm definitely drafting three so that when bye weeks come, I have that fill in or, you know, an injury guy in case something happens. Because if you lose a quarterback in a super flex league, it is so tough for you to be able to Brutal. make it up. Again, it's it's so tough to manage injuries and in super flex leagues. I'm drafting backups. I like. Yep. Right. Like if you think that. You know, whoever you think is the best backup in the NFL, I, whoever you that player, if you think Andy Dalton's the most capable backup in the NFL, Jameis Winston, the most capable backup in the NFL, they're serviceable late round picks to hedge against injury. I know you talked about Desmond Ritter at yeah. the end. Is there anyone else that you feel bad for not having or had a hard time wanting to find to be higher on this list? Yep. Kenny Pickett and Desmond Ritter. I'll just reiterate okay. it because again, I think that uh, enough with their legs, especially in the case of Ritter and the expected year two, uh, year two improvement. I think both of those guys uh, are, got, are, are players that like I may have some, uh, some remorse on being too low on in December compared to where I am on August 1st. Field, that's a pretty good quarterback conversation. It was. We Can we do this tomorrow and maybe do a different position? 
Running backs work for you? You want to do running backs? Running backs, it is tomorrow. And uh, make sure you get any questions you have at Fantasy Focus on Twitter slash X. But we're going to discuss running backs tomorrow, Daniel. It will certainly involve some tears talk, but definitely a lot of storylines at that running back position. Jonathan Taylor and the latest in his, whatever you want to call it, standstill with the Indianapolis Colts. Could Zeke or Dalvin Cook have a new home by tomorrow? Right. Are Christian McCaffrey and Austin Eckler not just in the tier by themselves, but... Should they be the number one pick in your draft? A lot to dive into. A lot to get into. All right. Be sure to check out the uh, check out us. Check us out on YouTube if you haven't already. Of course, wherever you get your podcast, ESPN app, ESPN Fantasy Facebook page, and many other places. For Daniel, I am Field. We are back on Wednesday as we are every day. Same time, same place. 11 a.m. Eastern time. Running back conversations. They begin tomorrow. It's only the most important position in all of fantasy. Gosh, these shows are so good when Mike Clay's not here. Wow, is he listening right now? Probably not. Mm, No loyalty from Mike. It's no secret, not a mystery. The one that we depend on for all our podcast needs. Graduate, full sell you. Alliance fan through and through With the hippest beard, I'm telling you